Good morning, everybody, and thanks for joining us today, and welcome to Ethos Church. If you're new here, and this is your first time, maybe, you're going to discover very quickly that Ethos is a place that is full of really generous people. In the last couple of weeks, we've been able to really see our generosity and your generosity on display as we've been highlighting different organizations that we were able to support and go above and beyond for during our legacy offering. This morning, you'll get to hear just a little bit of some of those organizations as we, as we see clips from the Columbus Dream Center and Elkhart City Church in Indiana. Hello, Ethos Church. Hey, guys. We are Clay and Kristen Powell, and we are preparing to launch Elkhart City Church in Elkhart, Indiana in 2021. We are so excited about what God is doing in the city of Elkhart, and we believe that God is going to bring restoration to our city through our church. But it's because of churches like yours that's partnering with us. We are so grateful and so thankful, and we believe many lives are going to be changed. Thank you so much. You are such a blessing to our ministry and to us. So just thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ethos Church. We love you guys, and we can't wait to see what the future holds. Hi, Ethos Church. My name is Jake Mara. I'm the Family Outreach Pastor at the Columbus Dream Center. And on behalf of the Dream Center, I want to thank you. Thank you for being so generous in the ways that you give and the ways that you serve. Thank you for making us a part of your legacy offering. You gave towards our Learning Extension Centers and what these are are safe places for students to get access to internet, meals, tutoring, social interactions, and my favorite, the person in the presence of Jesus. What's in your heart is the culture and the kingdom of heaven. To serve those who are in need, to meet Jesus where he is at. He is in the lives of these families, right? And they might not be aware of it, but he is present and what you are doing what your generosity and your serving is doing is bringing about an awareness of the holy spirit and that's who you are that's who we are as kingdom citizens that's what's in our hearts and when you give generously when you serve generously you are showing with your actions what exists within your heart so thank you ethos for continuing to lean into our value of generosity is our privilege you truly are showing up in huge ways for our city and for our nation as a whole. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you're doing. Well, before we dive into the teaching this morning, why don't we quickly pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the blessings that you bestowed upon this community that we're, be able, that we're able to help and be the hands and feet of your son in our backyard. We pray for all those uh, listening today. Father, may they have ears to hear what you have to say this morning and pray that I can deliver your word uh, in a way that uh, reaches people where they are this morning. Uh, just thank you for today, and thank you for this church. In your son's name, amen. Well, like a lot of you, I really like coffee. And oftentimes when I'm out with my family, I'm out with my wife and our two daughters, uh, we're out driving around on the weekends doing things, we stop by Starbucks. We'll go and visit and hit up the Starbucks drive through and inevitably, when I'm going through the Starbucks drive-thru, I've placed my order and we drive up. The attendant at the Starbucks drive-thru, every time, wants to start a conversation with me. And it's really only when my wife and kids are in the car with me. It's not when I'm by myself. By myself, I order my coffee, they give me my drink, I drive away. But when my wife and kids are with me, every time, the, the, the associate working at Starbucks tries to start a conversation with me. And 
it typically is something like, how, you know, how's your day? How's the rest of your day gonna be? Do you have big plans for the day? And I tend to really kind of shut down and I might muster like one word. Uh, I might, you know, smile, you know, somewhat politely, but I really don't engage in conversation. And it, it really started to drive my wife Mandy a little bit crazy. We'd pull away, I'd get my drink, and she'd say, yeah, what, what is wrong with you? Like, these people were trying to talk to you, and you, like, just were so rude. Why are you so unfriendly? And to me, it never really kind of, you know, for me to her, I said, well, you know, this is a transaction. Like, I, I didn't show up here to tell her my favorite color or talk about what I was going to do for the rest of the weekend. Like, I ordered a coffee. I paid for the coffee. She gave me the coffee. And then I leave, and maybe I say thanks. And that really should be the extent of what's happening here. Um, and the reality is, you know, when I, when I said thanks to the person, which I always did, you know, I, before you kind of shut this off and say, this guy's rude as heck, why, why is he up on stage today? Um, you know, I thanked the person because they had fulfilled their part of the bargain. They had given me the cup of coffee. But if I'm really honest with myself and I really look at the situation, while I love coffee, I don't necessarily think I was really thankful in that moment, even though I might have thanked the person for what they gave me. Now, that's a short anecdote, but I share it just because next week, as everyone should know, is Thanksgiving. And I would say that all of us, for everyone listening today, everyone that's here, Thanksgiving in 2020 is going to, no doubt, look different than any other Thanksgiving that any of us can remember. Um, for so many of us, we think about Thanksgiving, we think about traditions, we think about a large family gathering, we think about cooking a meal in the kitchen with, with loved ones, we think about all the things that Thanksgiving conjures up. And we know, as we head into this Thanksgiving, for obvious reasons, it's not going to look the same. But we also know that whatever we associate with Thanksgiving, specifically for your family or you know, your traditions that you're used to growing up, whatever you're accustomed to, you know that it's not really, doesn't really resemble what Thanksgiving looked like back when Thanksgiving became Thanksgiving. So when we all think about the original Thanksgiving, we think about, you know, pilgrims and Native Americans sharing a meal, and that's the picture in our minds of Thanksgiving. But I was actually reading this week about an American Thanksgiving that took place prior to the Thanksgiving in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1620. You know, that's the first, they say, recorded Thanksgiving. Well, there was one, actually, that happened about a year before that Thanksgiving in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And this happened when 35 men boarded a ship in 1619, a ship called the Margaret, and they set sail across the Atlantic. They left Bristol, England, and they sailed for two and a half months across the Atlantic Ocean. And they finally arrived on December 4th, 1619, and they arrived in what is today known as Berkeley, Virginia. This is a town, small town, 20 miles south of, of Richmond, Virginia, the capital of Virginia. And upon reaching the shore, these 35 men, this, their captain, John Woodleaf, declared that that day, the day they arrived on the shore, and I quote, their day of arrival, quote, must be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Now, many believe that when they arrived after two and a half months at sea, there wasn't much to eat. They say that maybe there was some stale bread, some old oysters. There wasn't much. There was just some rations left over from their journey. There was no massive feast. 
You know, the ride over was probably pretty tough, two and a half months at sea in the 1600s. You know, I tend to complain about a two-hour car ride to my in-laws. But the first thing they did, the first thing they did when they got off that ship was they prayed. And they declared, as the captain said, I declare this day holy. And that is exactly what they did for the next two years by decree of their captain. Now, those of you who may not believe this story, there's a gentleman right now who lives in Virginia named Graham Woodleaf, and he's a direct descendant of Captain John Woodleaf, who declared that day, that day, the Almighty Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving to the Almighty God. And today, Graham Woodleaf leads, he's the president of the Virginia Thanksgiving Festival, which takes place annually. It has every year since 1958. And he was actually asked, you know, why do people not associate Thanksgiving with your small town in Virginia? They think it was Plymouth, Massachusetts. And he jokingly said, well, they just have a better marketing department than we do. But joking aside, somewhere in history, Thanksgiving has changed from that morning in 1619 when these men landed from their journey and got on their knees and prayed and declared it a holy day to what we think of when we think of Thanksgiving now in 2020. Something has changed along the way from a day that was reserved to be holy to a day of a, of a heavy meal and football, maybe a nap and some shopping. The reality is, though, when you look in scriptures, the idea of giving thanks was never meant to be a singular moment on our calendars. See, part of being the church and following Jesus was not practicing thanksgiving for merely a day, but assuming thanksgiving as a posture and as a response. Look with me this morning at the Apostle Paul's writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look specifically at verses 16 through 18. Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now some context to, to, to when Paul wrote this. He was writing this to the church in the city of Thessalonians. <laughs> Thessalonica, excuse me, uh, and it was written around 50 years after Jesus' death. So Jesus had been, been dead and raised again after about 50 years. And like many new followers of Jesus, they were being persecuted for their faith. They were facing uh, many, many trials for being followers of Jesus. And I imagine what they were probably thinking when Paul wrote this, you know, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances, like, our lives are being threatened at the moment. You're, what? And what about for us as today's followers of Jesus when we, when we hear those words written by Paul, give thanks in all circumstances? There's lockdowns, there's political unrest, there's COVID. Paul couldn't expect me to be joyful and to give thanks when I'm wearing a mask for 18 hours in a day. But let's not forget that what Paul had to go through you know, this is the Apostle Paul who had it pretty rough. He was in prison. He was beaten. There were threats on his life for proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. So while I may be complaining about my circumstances this Thanksgiving holiday, they pale in comparison to anything that Paul might have faced when he wrote these words. Yet even in his darkest trials, he remained grateful. He remained hopeful. He remained in the Lord and steadfast in his faith. But I think it's also important to understand that it didn't mean Paul was always happy. It didn't mean that there weren't times where he was unhappy or that he was dissatisfied. 
And I don't think that's the insu- that it, what he's trying to insinuate for us either when he wrote these words, or even, even to, the, to, the, to, the, to the people he was writing to, and the followers he was writing to. I think it's important to look at the verse a bit deeper to understand some distinction. For it says, give thanks in all circumstances. See, Paul, Paul is, is not writing to them, and nor is Paul instructing us to give thanks for our circumstances, but rather to give thanks in our circumstances. So, for example, when I'm at Starbucks driving through, I don't need to give thanks for the fact that this stranger wants to ask me every question under the sun, but maybe I should be thankful that I'm in the car with my wife and kids. Or if you're in a car wreck, you don't have to be thankful for the fact that your bumper is now gone off of your car because you were in an accident. But while you're in the moment, be thankful that you have insurance and that you're healthy. So as we approach this upcoming holiday and as we face everything in this season that we're facing, I want us, and by, by us, I mean me, to think about not how do we make next week a day of Thanksgiving, but rather how we make our days full of giving thanks. So how do we apply this, this posture of thanksgiving that the early 1600 sailors had or that Paul is writing about? How do we have this posture of thanksgiving where we can make our days full of giving thanks? Well, let's start with why is it important? Why is it important to give thanks? Why was it important for Paul to record this and share it with the Thessalonians? Well, first of all, it's God's will. As it says in the verse we looked at in 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not give thanks to God for the circumstances that are going your way, or give thanks to God for the things that you're happy about or that you're satisfied with. But it says give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you when you accept Jesus Christ in your life. Now, of course, God wants you to thank him for what's going well in your life. He, he, he definitely wants you to, to, to thank him and recognize the blessings that are occurring in your life and bring those to him. But obedience and thanking God, even when my life is hard or even when things don't make sense, that is truly fulfilling his will. And when we fulfill the will of God, it's pleasing to him. It's pleasing to him, even when it doesn't make sense necessarily to us. As humans, oftentimes we never see the full picture. We can't look at every situation and clearly understand why it's happening. But we can have faith that God is at work in these situations, and he's working them out for our good and for his good. As Paul wrote in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. See, true thanksgiving is seeing past our experiences and embracing and anticipating how God is moving and what what he is doing in the middle of it. That's putting our trust in him and celebrating him in every circumstance we're going through. As Christian author A.W. Tozer wrote, perhaps it takes a purer faith to praise God for unrealized blessings than for those we have already enjoyed. It's easy to thank him when things are going great. But pure faith, a purer faith, is for those unrealized blessings that we, don't even, we haven't even discovered yet. God has not revealed yet, but when we stay in him, he will bring us through it and reveal them when he deems it's time. It's a heck of a lot easier to thank God for the great things that have already happened than the ones that he's yet 
to reveal, but that is the faith, that is the thankfulness that Paul is writing about. So why do we give thanks? It's God's will. But why else do we adopt this posture of thanksgiving? Well, the second reason is it will, it will spill over. It will multiply. Let's look at what Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. He says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Think about that. Your generosity, our generosity, the church's generosity, when we talk about in the beginning of the service, the generosity through our legacy offering, that's paying thanksgiving to God. And the scripture says you will be enriched in every way, meaning you will be blessed in every way, not just the good ways, not just the the compensation ways at work, but in every way you will be enriched so that you can then be generous on every occasion, meaning at any time, because sometimes, perhaps, I think we, we think maybe we can only be generous when there's an I Love My City project. Or maybe we can only be generous when we're doing the legacy offering. Or maybe we can only be generous when we get a bonus at work or a raise. And those are all great and tangible ways to demonstrate our generosity. But when you look at what Paul is writing, when we accept Christ into our lives, we are going to be enriched and blessed in every way, not just financially, but spiritually so that we can then go and be generous, not just with our money, but with our time and our ears and our words and our hearts on every occasion. And the result of doing that is thanksgiving to God, as it says in the scripture. So do we look at every occasion, every interaction in our lives as an opportunity to be generous with what God has blessed us with? You know, in a society where saying thanks is for a momentary circumstance, a blip on our radar. So saying thanks, it's just something we we do. But giving thanks is prioritizing gratitude in a way that molds us and shapes us more into the image of God. You know, I do a great job of complaining about what is wrong in my life, what isn't going well. But when we shift our minds each time we want to complain, to find something to be grateful for, gratitude becomes part of who we are and everything that we do. You know, Pastor Rick Warren, the author of the book, The Purpose Driven Life, once said, to appreciate means to raise in value. You think about about a house. Your house, when when it's appreciating, it's gaining value. It's actually worth more than it was before. So Rick Warren says, to appreciate means to raise in value. That's not only true of things. It's true of people. When you appreciate somebody, you literally raise their value and increase their self-worth. When we give thanks, when we show gratitude, we have the opportunity to not only deepen our relationship with God, but our relationship with everyone around us. And that is why we embrace this posture of thanksgiving. It is God's will for us, and it will spread, which is pleasing to God and fulfilling His will. So that's why thanksgiving. But let's also look at how, because the Scripture has something to say about how do we demonstrate thanksgiving. Let's look, at, let's, look, let's look at Psalm 95, verse 2, where the psalmist says, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Joyful noise. Noise. We think of noise sometimes as disruptive or loud. What is that noise? Why is my car making this weird noise? But this is saying, no, let's make a joyful noise for the Lord with songs of praise. This isn't just a polite thank you. When something good happens, oh, I got a raise. Thanks, God. 
That's not what this is. This is a joyful noise and songs of praise and outpouring for who he is, for what he has done, and for what he promises to do. This takes effort. This takes effort from us. Think about singing loud and making noise. That, 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 that calls for an expression from us. You know, I work for a retail company, and when someone places an order online from our company, they get an automatic response that thanks them for making an order. You know, hey, thank you for visiting the site. Thank you for ordering this. And we feel great about it because we feel like, hey, we've thanked them. And hopefully they feel good about it, like they've acknowledged that, you know, I visited and bought something. And it's okay to do something like that, to have an automatic response when someone does something for you, when it's transactional. But we're talking about something transformational. How many thank yous do, do we give on a daily basis that are simply automated responses? Much like the emails that our company sends, they're one word responses. But in giving thanks to the Lord for what he has done for us, through his unending love and grace, for his forgiveness, for our flawed earthly lives, for the promise of life in his internal kingdom, when we place our faith in Jesus, this calls for an expression. That's why we worship. It's why we say worship is our anthem. It's why singing to the Lord is thanksgiving and showing him how important he is and how grateful we are for his unending grace. That is thanksgiving. So we show thanksgiving with praise, but we also show it with perspective. You know, it's easy to say in this season, you know, I don't have anything to be thankful for. You know, I don't have, I can't be with my family. I, I can't see the people I want to see. I don't know how to cook. I can't go to my favorite restaurant. Work is really tiring. I'm mentally fatigued by COVID. And those are real things to be unhappy about. But Paul's invitation to live a life of thanksgiving also requires perspective. You know, for example, if you have any food in your refrigerator right now, any food, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you have more than 75% of the population of the world. If you have any money in the bank, or in a wallet, or even a, a change jar at home, you are among the top 10% of the world's wealthy in terms of your monetary value. And if you can attend a church meeting and worship with someone outside, or be part of a church without fear of harassment or arrest or torture or even death, you're more blessed than three billion people that call the earth home. And I don't share these things to make us feel bad, okay? I don't share these things to minimize the challenges that we face. But for us to live in total thanksgiving, it requires perspective that the blessings I do have in my life generally outweigh what's wrong. So to live a life of giving thanks, with, you know, we do it with praise, we do it with perspective, and finally, we do it with sacrifice. You know, sacrifice, we, 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 we sacrifice is to give. To, to give, I should say, is to hand something over, right? So we talked about giving thanks. Well, to give thanks, I have to hand something over. That's giving someone something. And this morning, we're talking about giving thanks. So in order to, to, to show God or show anyone my appreciation, to give thanks to them, I have to let go of something. And my question for myself today, and for all of us in this season, is what do we need to hand over in every day, every day, to show our thanksgiving to God? For me, it's letting go of my reliance that I can do all this on my own, 
that, that I'm, you know what, I got this, I can do this. Well, I need to let go of that. It's perfectly fine to say that when things are going great. But when things aren't great, and I start feeling down about myself, or I start doubting myself, or I start feeling anxiety, I need to let that go and say, Father, I am thankful that I'm feeling the way I'm feeling because I know that you will reveal something great on the other side of this. What is it that we need to hand over? Is it our pride, our sin, our shame, our frustration? We hand that over as our sacrifice. That's why I said Thanksgiving takes sacrifice. We hand that over so we can be in total thanksgiving for the ultimate sacrifice. When we ponder just for a minute the grace and love that God has for everyone to sacrifice Jesus on a cross so we can live, live an eternal life, we can truly approach each of life's situation with a feeling of thanksgiving. What can we sacrifice today for what was sacrificed for us? The last piece of scripture this morning. Look with me at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now this is, this is Paul speaking to those of us who have accepted Jesus into our lives. I don't know about you, but I want to be overflowing with thankfulness this Thanksgiving. Just as the scripture says, be overflowing with thankfulness, rooted and built up in Jesus, strengthened by my faith. Do you want to be overflowing with thankfulness this Thanksgiving? It's, it's about receiving the Christ Jesus as your Savior. It's living in Him, being strengthened by Him, no matter what your circumstances are. That's my prayer for myself this Thanksgiving. That's my prayer for all of us this Thanksgiving, that I may reaffirm my own faith in Jesus and overflow with thankfulness for the blessings God has revealed in my life and for those yet to come. We know that this Thanksgiving will be different. We know, and it's hard. But I hope that this Thanksgiving we talk about not just what we are thankful for, but who we are thankful to. May we, be, may we be reminded that despite our circumstances, despite the uncertainty, despite the physical distancing of family, we are all invited closer this Thanksgiving to our Lord and Savior.